Somebody texts me today. He says, summer's officially over. It's fall out, boy. They were getting you. And it's fall out, boy. <laughs> so I text back, LOL, who this? <laughs> <laughs> and he said, oh, you know exactly who this is, Don. And I, put, I put, got games. And he sent me this. I go by many names, and I don't know what that picture is. Just an empty couch? What? What, the heck? what is this? Who hold is on, hold that? on. Let's let's say. Let's yeah, say don't it. tell me who it is, but I'm gonna call him. No, 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 don't do it. Don't do it. Yeah, like no. I'm gonna be like, hey, who is this? No, don't do it. Don't <laughs> do it. You're live on Protestant Grace. You can't call know who him. it is. It'll be the surprise. Call. Huh? Okay. Charles, Charles says do it. it. He's the producer, and he is producing. Mm. Here we go. It's a terrible idea. Uh, iPhone 15 Pro Titanium, actually. Did you get a new phone you yeah. draw? Is this the Krusty Krab? Who it is? Don, you know who this is. <laughs> I will find you. It's got to be Michael. It's got to be. That's who I thought it was the whole time. Guess what? His what? dream. You're live on Products of Grace. <laughs> oh! What's up? Tell, hey, tell all the people what's up. Give what's a shout up, out. All the people. Give a shout out. Be like, hey, I'm Michael Hefner. My initials are MH, and I go to MH. Yo, what up? Do it. Yo, yo. What this is up? so much, bro. Did you have you ever thought about your initials are the church's initials? Yeah, I thought about that when I first joined. Yeah. Yeah. All right. What have you, you been doing today other than um, protecting your ears and your mind from the <laughs> national emergency broadcast system thing? Did that hit your plate too? Because it hit mine, bro. Oh, it, it hit everything. Yeah. Like, man. This, uh, will be, this will be published, yeah, Michael. Don't ruin it. Don't ruin it. Don't use people's names or anything like that. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. Um, no, nah, I just had certain people. Uh, certain people say something about turn off my phone because it was going to be some conspiracy. Yeah. So let me tell you this. Let me tell you this. So I had somebody in my life tell me that I should turn my phone off for all sorts of reasons. They turned their phone off. I forgot to turn mine off. Left mine on. Heard it. It was fine. No big deal. I didn't lose my eyesight. And (laughs) they turned their their, they turned their phone back on and guess what happened? It went off. It went off. Love it. Like like twenty minutes. Like twenty minutes after, it still got him. Love it. <laughs> All right, bro. Grace and peace. Yeah, it, it hit hey. my phone hey. first. Hey, <laughs> hey. <laughs> Michael, he's trying to push you off the phone now. Grace and peace. We love you. Bro, you trying to kick me off? <laughs> <laughs> it's over. It's over. See, I'm I'm the I'm the uh, no, going to spirit. I'm, I'm a spirit. I'm the spirit of the podcast. I know what the people want. They're ready mm-hmm. to hang up. Bye now. <laughs> Bye now. <laughs> bye bye. Y'all, I can, I can say this because they're not going to listen to this. I called my grandparents to invite them to my children's birthday party. Mm-hmm. And I said, hey, I just want to let you know the boys are having a party on Saturday. And my grandfather said, all right, all right sounds good. Uh, all right, sounds good. <laughs> he just kept trying to get off the phone. And I was like, it's... At 11, and he was like, all right. <laughs> I haven't even told you where it is. I love that, dude. I love old people. <laughs>
I just want to be that way one day. You Somebody are. call me. <laughs> hey, I want to invite you. All right, then. Okay. <laughs> um, Let's get. Whoa. You good? Got caught up. Mm. Blake almost died. Mm. And we're actually waiting for Blake to stop breathing because of the um, emergency oh, signal gosh. thing. Yo, folks need to stay off the internet. Man. I was wondering why I have this extra finger growing <laughs> on my head. Dude, did you understand my text from earlier? Did y'all understand it? Which one? We know what you mean. The one on the podcast? <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. Oh, I didn't read. One of them I read in part, and I was like, oh, sweet, praise the Lord. And then I didn't read the rest, which I think is relatively reasonable. You shared the gospel with a guy at work. That blessed yeah, me. Yeah, but I was like, I don't know, man. Did I tell I, y'all? Oh, sorry. Like I, sometimes I feel like growing up sharing the gospel, do you think sometimes it turns into like you like a closing the deal? I just mm-hmm. don't think it should be a closing the deal. It's like, as long as we can have another conversation about yeah, this. Yeah, I think there's a proclamation and giving a defense. Mm-hmm. And when you do those things sufficiently, it's like, let the spirit move. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Yep. Oh, I grew up thinking like sharing the gospel is like, we're canvassing for numbers or something. That's, I mean, you are a, you are a banker. I, I, I just think, think that's it. I think as you give gospel witness, the purpose of gospel witness is first and foremost, I have a primary God glorifying responsibility to testify. Yeah. And I want to do that. And I never once said about my life before and my life after. Because you gave him the Ephesians 2 uh, testimony? Man, he wanted to know everything. You know what I find really interesting about I was evangelism? Like, I'm a covenantal Christian. You know what that means? Like, I'll, I'll take you back before time. We gave him federal headship. He's like, what's federal headship? And I'm like, Adam, when Adam sinned, he's yeah. like, oh, yeah, yeah, we all sin. I'm down with that. I go, oh, so just, God would be just to condemn us all right there, right? It's a wrap. And he's like, never thought about it like that. But and it's yeah, like, that's what that would. means. Yeah. I was like, and if God is holy and God, if we believe, we believe him to be God as yeah. we believe God to be. Yep. Then are we able to judge him at all in his actions? He's yep. like, nope. I was like, this is great, but it's so weird. Like, this is why. This is why. This is actually interesting. I had this pulled up. Is that you? You need to always be ready to give an answer for the hope that you have. Mm-hmm. And it's like you literally have no clue where where a gospel conversation is going to go. Like, you can start with one thing, and by the time you're all said and done, it's like we have now dealt with like thirty different doctrines. Why are we here? Like, how did how did we get mm-hmm. here? But I think that's where. There's like a cold and callous like form of evangelism, which is like, no, no, no I got a script to get through. Stop asking questions. <laughs> we you know cannot I mean? have a natural conversation. Yeah, that's what's weird to Shut me. Shut your mouth and listen to yeah, me. Yeah, it's like, I have, no, 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 like, you interrupted the Romans road, right? Like, no, it's like, right? It's like I'm dealing with a person. Well, and, a little guy named the Apostle Paul, ever heard of him? Yeah. And so it's like, no, 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 like, I'll go with you. Like, I'll go with you, but don't worry. Yeah, this was an enjoyable yeah. conversation Absolutely. that was just robust and yeah. had depth to it, yeah. you know? And the whole time you're like, hey, you should repent and believe the gospel. Yeah, and yeah. I said, and for yeah. all those who place their faith in Jesus yeah. Christ, if you repent and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and confess with your mouth, you too will be saved. That's right. Yep. Good deal. I was like, cool, man. What song do you want to listen to next? We're all in the <laughs> yeah. car? Yeah, we were in a car. Tra- captive audience, as they say. Yeah, we drove to Columbus. Mm-hmm. So my thought was like he was he's really aligned like his ethics and his mm. virtues are aligned with that me image because, of God in him because he was raised Jehovah's Witness. Interesting. And I actually, you can call me out on this if you want, but I gave a compliment and I said, "What's interesting about the Jehovah's Witness is inside their teachings, 
what I can appreciate are these things, right? Very moral, very, how do you say it? Nuclear family. Mm. They emphasize. Yeah. Pro-life. Yeah. You know, and I said, but in the end, like, they're preaching a false False Christ. Yep. Which they uh, don't define the Trinity to biblical terms. Yeah, they, they're, they're, yeah. Yeah, they're, like they're out. Like, and he, yeah. he knew all this about it. Yeah. And he has since, like, he's not a practicing yeah. Jehovah's Witness, just was raised that way. And, I, and there was a conversation that came in the hallway between coworkers about some bill or something that's being promoted around giving children the right to forego their parents and do all sorts of crazy things with their body, right? Right. And another lady that was standing, in the, standing there said, that's just not right. And another coworker said, and this was being reported to yeah. me by this individual. Yeah. The other person said, that's that's not right. The other person said, but why? That's why a great question. It's right? a great question. And they, and they were asking it as they were they were poking. Yeah, they were they were an adversary. They, they, they were being adversarial. Yes. Like they've thought the bill is fine. Yeah, they thought the bill is fine. Oh, yeah. and we should just just yeah, I got unleash an it all. And so I was telling my guy, I was like, you know, he he got to the conversation about like Jesus Christ and defining Jesus Christ right. to be the second person of the Trinity, right. not a created being, right. co-equal, co-eternal. Yeah. And he said, yeah, I just, don't, I just don't think I get down and divide over that. Like, I don't make that a big deal. I leave that for people to decide, like, what it is yeah. that they want to believe. And I'm like, yeah, but here's, here's where you're with me, right? Like, we, we would stand in that conversation that you're reporting back on and go, you're right. Like, there's only two sexes. Yep. Children shouldn't be able to do that to their bodies. Right. And, and here's why, right? You think it has a negative consequence to society at oh, yeah. large, oh, yeah. and it will have <clears throat> negative effects. It's in a the violation of absolute truth. Yeah, in the communities yeah. that you live in. Yeah. And I said, but the Bible, the, the Christian worldview is the only worldview that can sufficiently answer well, the why. The why. The why. Absolutely. Hmm. Because like at that point, like you're willing to divide over these particular doctrines mm-hmm. on what's male and female. What's but when yep. we get to Jesus, right? You're saying I don't want to divide over that. But that's what where, you're, yeah. So like that's where we start. Yes, and yeah. I was like, so that's where I'm at. Yeah, we haven't done the opening yet, and we should have already. Welcome to Products of Grace, a podcast by Mercy Hill Church. My name is Lawson Harlow, and with me today I have Don Terrell and Blake McCullough. So, Don, what are we doing today? So today, what are we doing today? There's today, actually such a good flow we into We will it. discuss the title of today's episode, which is A Biblical Worldview. You just want to call it that? I was going to say, and you <laughs> need to get have, one. It doesn't... <laughs> get I like it that. Now. I like that. Let's do, let's do a, biblical a Biblical Worldview. And you should get one. And you should get one. <laughs> hey, that's the English teacher. He didn't like that. What, how did you want to phrase it? I just said, get, get you get a biblical worldview. World I, right. um, I watched a YouTube video today. Sorry, I, this is going to throw us off, but I'm going to give it anyway. I watched a um, YouTube video today about the different accents in the continental U.S. It was the fascinating. It was fascinating. Yeah, I read a Twitter thread about that a few years ago. It's it's really interesting. It really is interesting. What about the evolution of the linguistic like, yeah, tongue? Yeah, it's just, and it pretty much all has to do with settlements, but there are some things like the Appalachian, Appala, Appalachian, 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 whatever. Appalachian. Like listening to them is like the weird thing about theirs is it's a 
it, it is never impacted by an outside accent because it's mm. such a closed community. Mm. Mm. That's why it has such a distinct, anyway. They had one specifically for Memphis. Yeah, they said but, Memphis has a unique yeah, vernacular. People always tell me that with the R. But I mean, the, so it's yeah. actually specifically like what what some do with the R, which is like instead of saying here, it's like her. Uh. And so that's that's specifically in Memphis, and I think St. Louis were the two places that they mm. said those that that accent is found. It's found nowhere else. Hmm. I was always fascinated in the Delta that there were people who were like one hundred percent Chinese. Oh yeah, who spoke the deepest Southern accents right, yep. that you had ever heard. Yep. And it was just like a- Wang's Market in Clarksdale, uh-huh. Mississippi. You walk in there, you're blown away. Yeah. It was always yeah. fascinating to me My mom happened. Like my, which one stuck and didn't stick, yep. you know? My research, my first research paper I ever wrote was on the uh, Chinese American population in the Mississippi Delta. Really? Isn't that so weird? The so uh, Honors College at Delta State, that was like their focus my freshman year. Really? I wasn't in the Honors College, but my roommate was. So oh, yeah. about it a lot. <laughs> you don't have to worry about me being in Honors College. Were you in the Honors Dorm? I didn't have an Honors thing? Dorm. No, it's Delta State. There's like 12. There's like 12 Fighting rooms. okra. Uh, pew, pew. <laughs> Charles, I don't know how you're going to mix all this up, but all that should have been on this side. <laughs> they really should. Well, I mean, it's fine. It's fine. I mean, what's happening? We're just this. This is it's the, just three guys sitting around. Having this is a the combat. nature of the podcast. I have thought. You, you sent me the message, and, and what's interesting about it is, you sent me the message, and I wrote a paper when I was at Bethlehem on how Christian worldviews get perverted. Oh, mm-hmm. and so I just I just laid out the three my three premises there. Well, and so that's what I was going to do. You just want to read the Say paper again? and we'll call it a wrap. Huh? What was it? Oh, um, number one. Oh, in the text. In the text. Okay. It was, it was, oh, that's the text is the, your the premise in the paper? Yeah, the three premises of the paper because it actually is interesting how um, how this gets perverted. So epistemology, epistemology applied to experience, and then the question of is absolute truth a reality? Hmm. Because there are, there are actual... This can is we this, define terms about what epistemology is? Yes, we can. Thank I'd be you. glad to. So Brandon epist- would be happy. Epistemology... <laughs> <laughs> epistemology is the study of knowledge. Mm. Um, epistemology is the study of is knowledge. the study of knowledge. So it, it's essentially the question: How do we know what we know? But I feel like and I didn't the Greek pistis, which means yeah, no, yeah. Hey. So I didn't feel like I Greek gave the, that, I the rest of the why this got into my brain. Yeah, we'll fill it out. I mean, so I had that conversation yeah. with my coworker who was reporting back on things that we agree on ethically. Right. <clears throat> around that conversation happening in the hall about mutilation of children and why that Ugh. should or shouldn't be accepted. And then I saw where the Pope suggests blessings for same-sex unions may be possible. That was two days ago. That hit my news feed. Did you Once know again, that? Once I've got, again, I've got, I've got a word for the Roman Catholic Church. Okay. And then Andy Stanley comes out, and he's separating <sighs> practice from belief. Yep. It's weird. I really, bro. Ha- I really haven't read much into that because I, I really have, like, I, I literally get on Twitter, type something, and I leave. That's all I do now. It, yeah, it so seems I, like I'd he have is. To read more on that. He is separating practice from theology, which is problematic. Mm-hmm. He's also seemingly using worldly categories rather than biblical ones. Mm-hmm. So these are the things I've thought in my brain. Okay. Why, with it. why is the biblical worldview the only true and lasting worldview? We may have other overlap with others, but the truth ultimately divides. 
why are all other worldviews insufficient? <laughs> but Lawson and Philip an hour. I have some experiences this week which prompted these thoughts. And I said, why are we to know the truth and be able to give a defense for it? We have so many experiences-based testimonies which lack biblical knowledge and evidence, which uh, are what we ought to be put for, like what we ought to be putting forward for consideration, which is like absolute objective truth. Like, who is Jesus? What is the world? Who who is God? Grab my what um, is Calvin Institutes, please. I think brother. I hit him with in in the car. I think I hit him at the final. Is like. What's the uh, what's the first question of the confession? Far left. What's the first question of the confession, dude? I'm drawing a blank. Which one? Of of sixteen forty six LBCF. First question or the first statement? What is it? What, are you asking? What is the chief end of man? Yeah, that's, that's the Westminster Confession. Sorry. What is the chief end of man to glorify but the, God? But and the enjoy London Baptist Confession starts with something similar. Yeah. What is our only hope in life and death? No, that's the Heidelberg. What is our only hope in life and in death? The first of the Baptist catechism is who is the first and chiefest of beings. Oh, okay. God is the first and chiefest of beings. All I think of when I hear that is Isaiah and his little two-year-old self saying, first and chiefest. (laughs) Yeah, Rowan says, God is the first and chiefest of beings. So you think I was thinking about what is the chief end of man? What is the chief end? Yeah, what is... I don't know what you're thinking about. What yeah, you remember that? the time that I was preaching that and I forgot now. that question? Yeah. <laughs> it was hilarious. <laughs> what is achievement of man? To glorify God and enjoy him forever? Yeah, I just said, like, I think the Bible answers what is the meaning of life. Mm-hmm. Oh. It does. So what did he say to that? He's like, you think so? It's like, yeah. To know God and enjoy him forever. Yep. Period. End of story. Accurate. So when we define God, we have to define him appropriately. Yeah, and if you, if you don't define him. If you want to know him. If you want to, yeah. yeah. Because there's a lot of people who know a lot of things that they call God and none of those things are right. real. Right. Yeah. So I was trying to get him to not be sympathetic that when he got to the Godhead that he would say, you know what? I'll let everybody just decide what it is you want to do with that. I'm like, bro, like you're deciding what is male, what is female. I said, what you're doing is you're essentially robbing from the Christian worldview, but you're stopping short. Accurate. And I Absolutely. said, you need to go full sail because if you're yep. in if you're in that conversation as to why, why should we not have children mutilate their bodies? The Christian worldview is the only view that can answer that question adequately and Absolutely. to give a complete defense to it and shut mouths. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, and the major <clears throat> thing is if you're gonna if you're gonna make an argument for the absolute nature of um um sorry. A uh, friend of mine who's a Presbyterian just promised me that he wouldn't drown me himself. Uh, when, <laughs> when what? When this goes back when, to our Baptist when Christian, podcast. when Christian nationalism takes over and and it's a pedo Baptist. Um, so anyway, <laughs> this is like these are the friends I keep. Um, just anyway, tar and feather you. Yeah. So, I, well, the emphasis on myself is I guess he'll send somebody. <laughs> um, anyway, the. Uh, if you're gonna if you're gonna make an argument for absolute truth, you have to you have to lay it over and against everything. Mm. And so if you're like, hey, it's, it's true, it's an absolute reality that there are only men and women, but affirm. But then you say, ah, but it's whatever about the Trinity. <laughs> it's like, no, 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 no. It can't be whatever because mm-hmm. there is an absolute truth in regard to this. And if you're saying that you're worshiping the triune God while you aren't worshiping the God that is revealed in Scripture, then you're not worshiping the triune God. Mm-hmm. It's like when people used to say. Uh, <laughs> God sovereign over everything except salvation. Oh, I love that one. It's like really, guys. I had another coworker. Like, that's the thing. Yeah, it is. It is. That is that is one of the primary arguments. That is real. 
So I had another coworker who is a believer mm. and the same thing was unpacked. He was like, yeah, I mean, you know, I get it. Like God looks down the corridor of time and sees what choice. I was like, no, brother, <laughs> no. That is store knowledge. Do not give me that. That is dangerous. He's like, what do you, what do you mean? And so I was like, here we go again. <laughs> Here's a biblical worldview. I'm a covenantal Christian and this is what this means. And God foreknew and swore in a last will and testament. And I was unpacking it all for him. And he's like, what, man, churches need more of this. Like we're just <laughs> learning. And I was like, bro, we are living, we are living in somewhat of a new invention where our churches by and large don't teach confessional things about mm. who is God. You know what I'm saying? It's like, well, where could I go read that? And I was like, here you go, bro. Here's a confession. Did you say, like, uh, have I told you about a little sweet little fellowship just across <laughs> the state line? <laughs> so so he was like, uh, he reported back to me that, uh, cause I also made the statement that, um, like big, big tent revivalism. Mm, oh yeah. Is, is another new invention. Oh yeah. That yeah. has had so much effect on our Baby modern ism. day. Yeah. Our modern day experience. Revivalism. I was like, bro, we need to go back to the source, man. And then going back to the source of the Bible gives us a biblical worldview. Yep. I think so much is lacking in that. Absolutely. All right. So why, what was my question? What was my question for Lawson's hour long podcast? Yeah, build out, build out a whole thing on worldview and, I, and I've, I've got it. Okay. Why is the biblical worldview the only true and lasting worldview? Well, because it's the true worldview. Mm-hmm. Like that's the really simple way to say that. And, and anytime, anytime anyone makes a claim to truth now, it sounds really arrogant. It's not arrogant. It's like to say something is true is not an arrogant statement. If the thing be true, it's just sanity. Mm-hmm. And so like um, I was actually, we were talking after a particular wedding on Saturday about what gaslighting is. Mm. Um, were you in that conversation? Okay. So we were explaining like, what is gaslighting? And I said, gaslighting is when I take me, you and Blake and we have an argument with someone else, Rando. And we say, Hey man, this ground or this table, this table, by the way, is very clearly green. And we're looking at the table and we say, hey, this table's red. And Don argues that it's red. Lawson's, Lawson's arguing that it's red. Blake's arguing that it's red. And the guy's like, that table's green. It's like, brother, like, no, the table is red. <laughs> and so you essentially are arguing and, and, and you're, you're making him feel insane mm-hmm. because he is clearly seeing green while you are arguing that the table is red. Mm-hmm. Well, he might be in the minority. He's still the, he's still the intelligent one. Like he's still correct. Mm-hmm. He's looking at the table. The table is clearly green and he's making an observation based upon what he's seeing. And so it's not insanity to say the, that, that what has been revealed to us in the pages of scripture is true. And for us to stand there resolutely, uh, one of Blake's favorite uh, sermons is don't just do something. Stand there. Stand there. Um, and so I think for, for the Christian in our day and time, not only do we have to be able to articulate a Christian worldview, which I think we are pretty decent at in mm. a political arena, mm. which means that there's there's the conservative mentality that that makes its way into society, but normally they don't have the anchor points of those. I, you know, I read something the other day that argued against that. It said the one thing that the church has done very poorly more recently in modern history is that we've not formed people to have a political theology. No, no, no. I agree with so <clears throat> I agree with the political theology, but I'm saying not in regard to ethics. We've okay. more like hitched ourselves on to political ideology that was already there. I feel right. Like. But 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 what they're talking about in that, because I saw that it, what they're talking about in that is not the political theology, like political theology in the sense of how do politics work out? Mm. Like what's the best uh, system? How do these play out? 
what we, what I think many people who profess to be Christians, even those who would profess to be Christians and are not, are normally able to articulate conservative positions that align with reality. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So like discerning between good and evil, right? Yeah. there There are a multitude of people who do not know the Lord Jesus Christ that can clearly identify the difference between a male and a female. Yeah. Again, that's that's just that's just sanity. Mm-hmm. Um, but the question is, how do we get to a place where we can plant our feet there firmly and say, not just I know this, but I know why I know this? Because mm-hmm. that's a vast <clears throat> difference. Um, like there's there's the I know the difference between a male and a female because the clear biology lays this out. But I mean, that, that's true. Like natural law teaches us that there's male and female. But the reality is that it's not only natural law that teaches us male and female because with the rate that we're currently going, it's like people are warring against natural law to the best of their ability by changing mm-hmm. the very sub, the very body part. I don't have a better way to say it. The very body parts of an individual who is male and female, right? Mm-hmm. Like we're, we're mm-hmm. aiming to suppress that not only mentally and in hormones, but actually in physical manifestation. And so we have to be able to answer why we know what we know. And there's two ways that we can do this. The first is, well, I know this because I feel it weak. Mm-hmm. obscenely weak, obscenely weak. If I know this because I feel it, um, one of my favorite illustrations for this is, uh, I, nobody judge me. I remember watching, uh, the, uh, what was the, what was the last movie in infinity in the infinity war saga Endgame. I remember watching Endgame. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, so there's, the rest, the rest of the people will get this maybe. So the rest of them, Mm-hmm. I remember watching I remember watching Endgame and there's there's a moment that is like a culmination of everything that's happened in 10 plus years of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, right? I'm watching this, I tear up. Uh, you've shared this before. I, I mean, I'm like I, remember this. I tear up and I'm like, man, like I've moved. Nothing about that's real. Right. Nothing about it's real. Emotions are the most fickle thing that mm-hmm. exists in humanity. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, it's, it's, they're important, and they're to be aligned with reality. Mm-hmm. Nor do, and I don't think that it's, in, it's improper to respond to something that is artistically displayed beautifully. Right? There's nothing wrong with yeah, responding to that. I think the scripture defines this as like, we grieve with those who grieve, but we grieve not as the world grieves, but we, we grieve as Christians. You know what I'm saying? Which is, which is saying like, your emotions are li- aligned yeah, with reality. Yeah, they are to be they're to be appropriately aligned, right? Yeah, yeah. And we're so, not and we're not called a stoicism. Yeah, exactly. So like, I can I can laugh at a hypothetical situation, right? right? Um, or I can or I can weep at, in in front of something beautiful or right. something of that nature. And there's nothing inappropriate about that. But but these things aren't reality. Like it, it would be very foolish for me to go on and say, "Man, this really made me feel something. Therefore, it must be true." Mm. But this is what a large group of people do. I mean, I would say a, a, a very large amount. And so, like, for instance, um, Mormonism, one of their primary arguments is, I felt the burning in my bosom. Mm-hmm. And the problem is that's totally subjective. Mm-hmm. There's no, there's no object. What? Me too. And I just had pizza rolls. Yeah, bro. <laughs> um, and so, like, in the midst of all these things, it's like, not you, can't, you can't make an appeal to your emotions and to feelings to argue for absolute truth. You have to argue for something or you have to have a higher authority that will ultimately give you the appropriate ammunition to wage war for that. Mm -hmm. So this is why if you're going to have an argument or if you're going to have a conversation about the Christian worldview, you have to have that argument based upon 
epistemology. How do we know what we know? And how do you know that what you know is true? Mm-hmm. Because if we're gonna if we're gonna argue for something, we are not arguing for subjectivi- subjectivity. We're arguing for an objective reality. Mm-hmm. And there are a ton of people that would say, well, well, no, it doesn't have to be an objective reality. Well, it does. Going back to my illustration with the green table being red, one of us is wrong, mm. like just flat wrong. Um, and so, anyway, I would argue, and the stakes are yeah. higher. The stakes, like are, if you're flat wrong, and it in your eternity is in the balance. Yeah, you go to hell. Yeah, yeah, um, you, yeah. Because I made the yeah. argument to him. It's like, look, I mean, at the you know, when when you're thinking about salvation and you do not define the savior appropriately and you Mm. define him as a created being like you are you are negating his salvific work Mm. that's what you're doing yeah and you and there like and you don't have any critical ground to stand on at all Mm -mm. i mean it's to me it was super interesting to have this conversation that goes from we are aligning an agreement on how we should function ethically around male and female, and it essentially walked itself into the throne room to define who God is, what is salvation, how was it accomplished, and why all things are objectively stated by right. Him. You know, to yep. me, it's like I think a lot of times when we think about sharing the gospel to to our comedic point, it was like going through some sort of list of right. I got to say one, two, three. You but don't interrupt I, my script. Yeah, yeah, and in, in the end, it's like these are just naturally ongoing, inquisitive conversations. I think that are naturally to the human. Yeah, they they grasp us. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Like it, it to me, they evoke emotions. Like people who deny these things to be true, right? Yeah. It could evoke an anger or whatever. Yeah. But it's like in the end, these are things that I think um, you know are worth divide you know worth dividing over yeah, and i absolutely. think i think most people do find some things in their life at some touch points that say i'll definitely divide over that that's right i, I will die on this hill yes yeah exactly like that is beef yeah yeah fair. don't serve fair. me chicken yeah exactly you know and so i just yeah. think like in some of these big huge matters um yeah it was interesting to me like as as you could get him get this individual to divide over truth and yet like in the end like we would not he would not divide over who the godhead is you know like yeah which yeah. is i don't know man like i mean it literally is the most fundamental and important question of who is god mm-hmm. i mean you get this question wrong then you are going to like i was thinking about this the other day i was i remember i was listening to someone contrast the concept of God in, and I'm using lowercase g there, I should maybe say Allah inside of the Islamic faith, and listening to them talk about this, they were trying to make an argument that he is not unlike the God of the Bible. And as I'm listening to it, I'm thinking to myself, it's not that you're misunderstanding, I don't think you're misunderstanding Allah you don't know the God of the Bible. Mm. And because you don't know the God of the Bible, you like they're making an argument essentially based upon justice. Mm. And, and as it's doing, it's like, you're not describing justice. Mm. You're describing something totally different than how the Bible would define the justice of God. And so essentially, like they, they were, I think basically what they were doing was trying to make an argument that the, the God of Calvinism is much like the God of Islam. Oh, that was that dude. There was that one dude, the three sixteen roundtable guy. Yes, 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 yes. Not Leighton Flowers, but the other, the other guy. Yeah, I can't. I can see his, his face, but he about seven or eight years ago, that was a big argument yeah, that was, against Calvinism. Mm-hmm. Was like 
It's basically they basically believe the god of Islam. Yeah, because what the because because the reality is that at the end of like in, in Jack Legs say what? So in, in short, <laughs> at the end of your life, you may go to heaven, you may go to hell. You cannot know. Period. Whoa. Yeah, but in the but in the Christian faith, like I I know, I, and actually going back, this kind of falls in line with what we're going to talk about, which is epistemology. I know what I know. Mm-hmm. I, I I know that on the last day, I'm going to stand before God declared righteous, and that's not that's not arrogant. That's because I believe Him. Mm. Um, and so that he, it's not a secret knowledge that he's not giving to us. It's actual reality that he conveys inside of time and space that those who will stand before him on the last day declared as righteous are right now or will be in this life, will be definitively converted, uh, justified, sanctified, and then by God's grace on the last day glorified. And we can know that, which is the really important distinction there, or one of the many. Um, but so let's let's talk about epistemology, and we'll do it this way. Can I make a little fun fact? You can do whatever you want. So I asked the guys, like, so what about what about your daughter's birthday? Does your mom bring? He's like, yo, man, like my mom always puts the kids and the grandkids first, so she'll come with a gift on the day before her birthday party, uh, so that she doesn't feel guilty giving the gift on the day of the birthday party. Wow. Isn't that just a letter heart deal though? Like, oh, big time. Yeah. I mean, yeah. anyways, I thought that was interesting before I forgot that little fun fact. Yeah. That's, um, that's, I'm, I'm, I'm fasting between, um, between <laughs> sunup to sundown, <laughs> yeah. but I get up at four so that I can eat the most ginormous meal ever. Right. right. Um, all right. So here's, um, here's essentially where we're going. Like, let me give the summary. So I, I'm basing this off of something that I wrote a while back, but, we know because we have been granted knowledge. So why do we know? How do we know? We know because we have been granted knowledge, the normative work of God through the, through the situational or special, sorry, I don't know why I changed that, special revelation of God. And lastly, when filtered through the norm and situational perspective through the, create, through the creature's experience, which means that we first and foremost know because God has revealed. That's mm-hmm. primary. We know because God has said. Secondly, we know because we're made able to know meaning that we have the particular faculties to know that which God has revealed. And then finally, we know them from experience. Um, and so, but, but, but here's, here's what most people do. So to, to maybe build this out, the normative perspective. So in short, we know because God has revealed the situational perspective. We understand the world as actual situations that God and his sovereignty have brought to pass. For instance, we know the same bowling ball, uh, as an illustration I use, we know uh, that the same bowling ball falls due to God's decree that gravity operate in this world. That is to say that he has not only revealed, but he functions in that which he has revealed. So if he says gravity is a law, that law is going to function inside of the world. Um, and then the, the existential or the experiential perspective, which is to say that we know because God has revealed it. We know because that which God has revealed functions inside of time and space, and that we know because we have experienced that which is inside time and space based upon what He has revealed. What most, what many people do is they take that paradigm and they ask the question, "Well, how do we know with certainty?" And the way they, the way they would say we know with certainty is based upon experience, not revelation. Mm. If you base everything that you believe you know on experience, you are going to have the most whacked out. Um, epistemology and worldview possible. Because if you think about how fast we go from one extreme to the other in our mental states, you're going to live in chaos. Um, You're never going to have a solidified worldview. You're never going to be able to look at the world with any form of consistency. The only way that we can look at the world with any form of consistency is if we understand and uphold the reality that God has definitively revealed truth. 
which leads you to ask the question, where has God revealed truth? In the Bible. In the Bible. Yeah, because I was thinking about like in that moment, like the only thing that my buddy has to stand on is, well, I just believe it because I believe it. Right. That feels bad. And in the end, it's like what your adversary can then claim is, well, you actually are not wise. You're a fool and you're a bigot. Mm. And you have no answer back for that. Yep. At all. It's like, okay, well, who decides that? Well, I do. And 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 you're what you're doing is you're operating in this is what I think, so it's fine, right? Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And in the end, it's like, no, 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 God is love. Yeah. Let me break all this down for you. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and so let let's just start with with a couple of things. If you if you do a search in scripture for the phrase that you may know, just just the phrase that you may know, you are going to you're gonna get a hit on twenty-seven different verses. To give you some illustration, um, so I think one of the one of the best is um, uh, Matthew nine six. We'll just take a couple of New Testament passages, but that you may know that the Son of this is Matthew nine six. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He then said to the paralytic, "Rise, pick up your bed, and go home." Mm. And so th- his purpose is not to conceal that which is, um, at least not to conceal that which he desires to reveal. Instead, he is communicating things not so that we can live in some form of limbo or not having a firm understanding of things, but instead he reveals that we can confidently say that you may know. And so the same thing happens in Mark 2 and in Luke five twenty four. the very same phrasing that you may know the Son of Man has the authority to forgive sin, uh, uh, John uh, John 10, but if I do them, even though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I in him. Um, and so like the concept is I want you to actually possess a clear knowledge of that which is true. Ephesians 1.18, having the eyes of your heart enlightened that you may know what is mm-hmm. the hope that uh, to which he has called you. Um Ephesians six twenty two. I have sent to you. I have sent him to you for this very purpose that you may know how we are. And so, like that's that's Paul communicating the way in which they will know how Paul actually is. But in the same way, uh, Colossians four six. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to you may know you may know how you ought to answer each person. And so, like his overarching premise is that that we will know these things. And then the conclusion, I think, perhaps the most important one is First John five thirteen. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. Mm-hmm. And so it's not it's not an intention of a a subjective I may know things. It's I have a biblical worldview. I know particular things because I read them in the pages of sacred scripture. Um and what's interesting about this is anytime someone's asking you to to define your worldview, you will make you will make, biblically, you will make an appeal to authority. Which I call a gospel proclamation. It is a gospel proclamation. It's a trust. That, it's dependence. It's faith. It's literally the death. So like. Ex nihilo. It's Hello. like. By faith, we yeah, believe that yeah, you created the world. Ex nihilo. Yeah. Period. It's like, we just, we just essentially you say. You get into creation. You get into the fact that all this is hung around you. Yeah. It's like, yeah. it has to leave you. It has to lead you. Yeah. Into a gospel we could call it presentation or whatever. Yeah. Like it's just a gospel proclamation. Like it's yeah. a combo. Yeah. And so when we, when we grab hold of um, our dependence, right, our confidence in the pages of sacred scripture, we say, I know these things. Like, I mean, you ever think about how crazy it is. And, and I, I mean, and this does go, this, this, I think this will anchor back into kind of the, 
the application of this. But like I, I sincerely and boldly believe that Balaam's donkey spoke. Yep. Like yeah. I, I believe that. Like because the Bible with, says it. Because the Bible says that. Like if someone walked up to me and said, "Hey man, if you believe a donkey spoke, you're a psychopath." I'm going to say, hey, man, God told me a donkey spoke. My name is Lawson, and I'm a psychopath. And I'm a psychopath. <laughs> That's me. And, and so, like, but, but you understand, like, I mean, the, the other part of this is if you believe a man rose from the dead, mm. you're an idiot. Like, if, 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 just to be honest with you, if somebody that I, somebody that I trusted, Blake, if you walked up to me and you told me that you were in the graveyard the other day, and uh, just as you're walking, this guy hops out of the grave, that he was dead and he is now alive, I would think he was insane and yet when i turn to the pages of sacred scripture that testify to me that jesus rose from the dead on the third day i say yes and amen and also the scriptures appeal with over 400 eyewitness accounts exactly exactly so so the the bible records yes yeah yeah and it's like if that's true if i believe that then i have no problem at all believing that he flooded the earth nope Mm -hmm. that he that any number of the outlandish things in the Old Testament happened. And, because and, there was a guy who was dead who is no longer yeah. dead. And, and, you know? and the interesting thing about outlandish, right? They are outlandish. You're a fool not to say they're outlandish. Of course. Right? Like if he flooded the world, right? Burning bush. Burning bush is outlandish. Like, hey, there's this bush. It's on fire, but it's not. I mean, take all the plagues. Every one of them. And the reason that they're there is because they are outlandish. Mm-hmm. It's like only God can do these things. Yeah, walk on water, parting in the Red Sea. The list goes on. Rock, uh, water out of the rock, manna from heaven. So, so, so listen to how insane this sounds. I believe that God raised someone from the dead, that he parted the Red Sea, that, that, that Peter walked on water, Jesus walked on water, that he literally turned the sand of the desert into gnats to send into... Uh, Egypt, that the whole Nile, including all the little you vessels of water, the crescendo of crazy is. Hit me with it. I believe that in the last day, he was going to raise every human being 100%. to <laughs> everlasting life or everlasting death. Yeah, yeah. and I believe all That's of that. That's the one, bro. Yeah. That's the one. You get there, you're riding down the car with old boy, you hit him with that. It's like... What? Yeah, but and here's, and here's what know, gets this me. This is for real, dog. And here's like, what gets me. I believe all that. I believe all that. But God doesn't get to have a say in my sexual ethic. <laughs> Do you see how how ignorant that sounds? Yes, brother. You can say stupid no, but I think that's podcast. what I'm. That's that's you so say, much I can the say help stupid on this podcast. <laughs> the help for that is like you know I, I've had this conversation sitting down with someone who had had claimed Christ and then kind of walked mm, away. Yeah, mm. and it was like, man, I decided a long time ago that if if the Bible said it that I was just going to go with it. Yeah, big facts. And like, that's never been normal. Mm. Like, it was normal to you when you believed it. But yeah. like, in reality, it's never been normal. No. And so like, what makes me think that if if something changes now in the culture, yeah. that I need to change that? Like, mm-hmm. it was never normal. Even though it feels more weird now, it was never normal to believe that. Yep, yep. And it it's just gives you so much to stand on in the yep. sense that, like, it's always been outlandish. There's nothing... "Quote unquote natural yep. about this, and it's because it's not natural. Mm-hmm. Yep, you know, mm-hmm. and that's the thing. We we live under the authority of God's word, and there. And what's so interesting about it is, you can't detach the fact that we live under the authority of God's word from the fact that we actually do live in His world. Mm. 
And so it's like, oh, okay, well, I, I live under his word. And, and, and you almost, I think the presupposition is, oh, well, you're going to look weird in the world. I'm like, actually, I'm going to function in the world the way that God intended me to. It's like, what's weird, and this is, sin is such a corrupting and deceitful thing that it really does corrupt the minds of those who go headlong into it. And not only is it a corrupting agent, it's deceitful, and it causes suppression of truth. You made reference earlier to the fact that men often, at the confrontation of the gospel, become angry. Mm-hmm. Well, why do they become angry? Because you're picking up the, the things that they've used to suppress the truth and unrighteousness, and that's starting to flood back up in them. And what's the Spirit do? Convicts concerning sin. Mm-hmm. And so as this is happening, he's being faced with reality, mm-hmm. a reality that he has worked very, very hard to suppress so that he didn't have to deal with it. And the moment that you lift it up, it's like, oh, get that out of here. And mm-hmm. so you see their hatred of, of not just the word of God, but the world that he made. Mm-hmm. And because they want to rebel against it, they don't want an authority over them. And, they're, and, and going back to like Genesis 1-1, who I, I believe it could be Tom Askell who said is the most important verse in the Bible. And... and, and And one of the reasons he makes that argument is because it's a demonstration of the fact that it's God's world, which means that he instituted the laws. And you can fight tooth and nail against them, but you're not going to win against gravity or against gender. Mm -hmm. You're not going to win against either one of these things. You're not going to make that which is sinful fitting for the world. There's a reason that it's abnormal. You're not going to make suffering make sense apart from sin, interestingly enough. You really cannot live in his world while looking at it with a different view the only way to do that is to blind your eyes or suppress the truth and unrighteousness. And so what we do as Christians is we take what the Bible says at face value. I mean, literally, I can come and I mean, when was the last time y'all like had a view and you read a verse that was like, never mind, I don't have that view anymore. A couple of weeks ago. Yeah, like I, I, mean, I kid you not. This is not. We recorded a podcast and I threw it away. Oh, true story. True story. So like, but but the whole thing is like, you're 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 working through something, and you used to say this all the time. You were reading some book, and you were like, and then I read this verse, and I'm good now. Yeah, right? I always said, uh, "Who's uh, it's Van Til?" Yeah, so Van Til, it's always like striking. Even like John Frame's like working on like uh, I forget what work he has it was like 804 pages, and I, I worked through that thing. And yeah, then like Van Til, and like you get to like the Bible, and it's like there's so much doctrinal truth that it's like just, one verse yeah got one me. verse it's like blew my mind and then to, and then uh and before faith came you were held captive yep. under the law and you're yep. like yeah you're like, the, it's like okay the whole i get thing. it now like yeah 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 and it's like the authority that god has put in his word is is both amazing and comedic it's like you can argue with me tooth and nail on something and i can think of the other day we were having a conversation about sure what it was uh, i can't remember but as as we're having the conversation, all these philosophical arguments are coming at me, and then this guy, and then this guy <laughs> reads something, just, just a verse of the Bible. I'm like, nah, I'm with that. Never mind. I'm good. <laughs> Moving on. And it it wasn't anything major. It was just a minor thing. Like, okay, where do we stand on this very very minute point? And I'm like, okay, I'm gonna go with that, and I'm gonna go with that just because it says it. Do you think that we should be? Do you think that we should be? Um, hospitable in the way that we debate. Uh, always be ready to give an answer for the hope that you have, but do so with gentleness and respect. Hmm. So I would appeal to the Bible and say that we should be able to conduct ourselves in a combative way that maintains gentleness and respect. Yeah. However, 
I'm current. This is a side note. I'm currently wrestling wrestling through the concept of mockery as debate, and the only reason I'm saying that is because I'm not a prophet, right? But we see it all throughout the prophets. Mm. Um, and so I'm not saying I'm not saying everybody take up your mockery banner. I'm just saying that there is a point where one of the greatest arguments you can make is to simply point out the stupidity of a previous argument. Well, I think a lot of times, like we have this bias about gospel proclamation being something that we do in the mall. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like people in passing, and I think the largest scope that you'll find opportunity to do that in is in close quarters. Yeah, with people that you work with, people that you're just you know, in in life together. And I think there's such a, I think there's such a... um, Why does God give Christian men secular jobs? Yeah, I just think there's such a caretaking aspect to that and attitude, which has to have, because you have to still maintain that relationship even on the other side of disagreement, right? I think there's a, you can can have mockery and gentleness and respect together. Oh, I think you can too. Like I think, I think of Paul... When he's talking about the circumcision party, and yep. he, he says they should be called the concision party, like yep. the cut off ones. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that was pointed and it mm-hmm. tells you the truth. Mm-hmm. It's also stated in a way that is not. It's sharp and it, it points out the foolishness of the argument. Right. But yeah. without, like, I don't know, being too. It's not Luther esque. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I, I was. I would actually say one of the primary ways that I argue with people who hold a different position than me on something that I, I probably know I'm not moving them from. You just hang up on them. No. <laughs> um, is I, I like to say, all right, so here's what you believe. I do and, like this about and you. And here's what you believe. And here's why this doesn't work, right? <laughs> it's like these two things don't go together. Right. And so, um, you know, I, I think that that's an appropriate way of, of argumentation and inside of inside of um, gospel witness, right? As we're doing gospel witness, the the number one thing that we can never do is um, is go to something else as an authoritative argument. Um, so even just kind of bringing us back around to worldview here, like if we believe what the Bible says as we're doing gospel witness, we want to be able to answer the questions that we have. We want to do so with gentleness and respect. We want to be salt and light. We want to be wise in our conversation. We also want to uphold the reality that second Timothy makes it clear that the scriptures are able to make one wise into salvation. Mm-hmm. So why would I, why would I use something else? Mm-hmm. So this, this is, this is one of the things that always got me when I was, when I was learning, like, in, like even in evangelism class, it is the power of God. Right. For salvation. It yeah. really is. So I'm like, Bro, why why are you spending time on anything else? Yeah. Like yeah. it ought to just be hitting with the word. That's right. Like, because I'll give you an answer for it. What else you got? Yeah. Like, yeah. And you know, interestingly enough, this is a fun conversation because I had the opportunity with a dear, I'll say his name, with Charles, uh, after the same wedding. Lots happened at this wedding. Um we're I walk- took a picture in the wet in the hall because yeah. we were all getting our picture made and my spouse wasn't with me. And so I just huddled some people up. And when you got to the guest book, you were supposed to write your name yeah. at the bottom of the picture. And I just put randos in the hall. Love it. <laughs> Love it. Anyways, keep going. But so I'm leaving. I'm walking to my car. I like, I had just done the like two second phone call with like, hey, Beth, I'm on my way home. Like I'm walking to my truck. Didn't work. So I'm walking and Charles is having a conversation with this guy. And I see it and I'm like, we're all sharing the gospel with this dude. I'm about to walk up. We're going to do this. So I walk up. We sit there for another 30 minutes. And walk through the gospel with this man. But you know what his question started with? Tell me about marriage. Hmm. And this is what was so interesting about it is because as we're talking through these things, what do we do? 
And I, I even, te- I literally text Charles. This was so fun. Um, so I text Charles afterward. And, and I was just, it, what, what struck me about the conversation, I said, I said, isn't the Bible so sufficient? Didn't matter what question he had, the Bible pointed it back to Jesus. And so like every single time he asked a question, it's like, yeah, so I hear you. So here's how this goes back here. And the, what, what it constantly set before this man was you can ask about marriage, you can ask about creation, you can ask about God's justice. And every single time, brother, I'm dragging you back to the cross, not because I'm arbitrarily doing it, but because it keeps taking you back there. And so like when we're appealing to our authority, when we're appealing to the anchor of our worldview, we're not only... But the question for they have is, how do I live in this world? Exactly. Right? exactly. That's really what it is. Yeah, it's it is. like, okay, well, let say. me give you yeah. the worldview because yeah. it's his world. Right. And the, and, the, and the final question, or the, I mean, the preeminent question ought to be, and how do I live? Right. Exactly. How do I live in the world yep. and how do I live? And so what we, kept, what we kept pointing him back to was, hey, man, none of this is going to make sense to you until you understand this. Mm-hmm. And the moment that you understand this, marriage is going to make sense to you. Creation is going to make sense to you. The fact that God receives all the glory is going to make sense to you. Suffering is going to make sense to you. And until you lay hold of Christ and gospel, repentance of sin and faith in the Lord Jesus, you are not going to be able to function in this world with eyes wide like, open. How did sin get here? Oh, let me talk about Adam and Adam's exactly. fault. It's like, I mean, bro, you you get it all. Yeah. And so like, you think about the ways that, that, that other worldviews aim to answer the questions. Oh, I hit him with that. I said... Bro, in the end, like most religions are trying to answer when you stand before the judgment seat of something. Asking a good question. You're going to get into heaven, let's say, between have you been good or have you been bad? Like, And you're going to weigh these scales out. And it's like, that's a great question that normally every religion is trying to answer, but only the Christian worldview has the sufficient answer for it and an objective answer. And let me tell you, the premise of the question is still the same. Yep. It really is. Yep. And here's what Christ does. Yep. He, he grants you to be not guilty. Yep. But it doesn't stop there. Yep. Remember the scales? Yep. And what you're trying to answer? Yep. He loads all of his righteousness yep. on the scale and says, I impute to him my works. Yep. Yes and amen. And I said, just like you were condemned in Adam, right? Yep. Now are you condemned in Christ? Yep. It's almost like God deals with people in a covenantal sense. You live. And so like in the midst of all of this, it's like you're trying to answer all these questions when I've, I'm, I'm laying out to you the answers. And, and you know, the interesting thing about the claim of the Christian worldview is it's exclusivity. You're not going to find another answer that's going to satisfy all them. And so it's like, very discriminating. It is. It and, really is. And so when you're looking at, I was like, bro, you want to be a beast in a gender argument? Yeah. Become a Christian. Oh yeah. You become a lion. <laughs> like literally, it's like otherwise you're sitting like, there. Not a good reason to become a Christian, but no, okay. No, 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 no. But it is but it is a perk. Um it's like you want to slay all the arguments? Yeah. Is that how we're gonna get uh what's his name? James uh what's the conceptual James on Twitter? What's his name? James Lindsay. Yeah, James, uh, James Lindsay. Lindsay. He's um, the atheist. Yeah. 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 James Lindsay. yeah, I'm not gonna go there. So but I mean you think about, I mean, let's go back. So let's, let's talk about, let's just talk about a couple of the major like uh, flare ups. Well, we got into flare ups. question because now you're seeing me. Like, yeah, yeah, the worldview yeah. is gospel proclamation and these things are tethered. Yeah. Together. And so, like, I now have, I now have, um, let's say I've, I've been, I've, I've come to faith. I now have a dependence upon the word of God. And now things make sense. Hmm. Okay. So, um, You've just been diagnosed with stage three cancer. Mm-hmm. What do you do with that in a naturalistic worldview? 
you're dust. You're just you're stardust. Who cares, man? And I know this an episode on Seinfeld one time, like I was watching, and uh, <laughs> it's the second Seinfeld joke I've gotten today. Yeah, George was George is the consummate bald guy. And there was uh-huh. another guy that was going bald. Yeah, and they were like, "You really need to go to see George and see how bad your baldness is." And he was like well, addressing his yeah. baldness as a like in a like as a like stage. consultation, yeah. like yeah, a yeah. stage. And he's like, "You don't have long. Oof, live, man, live." Love and the it. guy ran out, got married. Oh, wow. you know, like really went all yeah, in, yeah. you know. So that's that's the naturalistic world. But, view. Yeah, the natural, on like a terminal yeah. terminal state is hold like on live, as, man, yeah, live. hold on as tight as you can. And the and when it's you a Tim McGraw song, you know what I'm talking about? No, where he finds out he doesn't have long to live. Uh, live like I was dying. Yeah. yeah. So, but like in all of these things, your immediate reaction is, oh well, the fleetingness of this life. The answer to the fleetingness of this life is, I'm gonna die and it doesn't matter. Like yeah, the, Paul, Paul throws that out. I know, but Let the interesting eat, thing drink. about it is, it doesn't work with anybody. No, like the the everyone believes that their life is worth more than 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 what the naturalistic worldview tells right. them. It it takes such a level. Is that of, a nihilist? A nihilist, yeah. Nihilist, sorry. Um, nihilist works too. Who knows? Um, <laughs> we're both, in Mississippi. They're both fine. Yeah, we're in Mississippi. We do what we want. You go Augustine, I go Augustine. Yeah, and so like nobody believes that really. Right. Nobody's like they understand that there's there's value in their life, and they understand that value based upon the fact that they're creating the image of God. Mm. And they may not be able to locate why it is they have that value, but I can look at that man who's struggling with like I don't want to die. Well, why don't you want to die? You're just stuff, right? And say no, 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 friend. Like I can tell you why there's a there's a desire for life here. And it's because you're creating the image of God. You understand that your life is more valuable than the dog next door to mm-hmm. you. And 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 the the hope in that is to say, man, flee to Christ, mm-hmm. find in Him comfort and rest. He He's the one who's like I'm not telling you things so that you'll believe them. I'm telling you what you already know. Mm-hmm. And um and so like that's that's I one. Mean, bro, we're telling people how to have life, yeah, and how to have it more abundantly. Absolutely, we are. That's what it is. Yeah. And so like you you get into all of these other conversations of like, um, you know, like sin in and of itself. Like you still have the reality is that there's still guilt in sin. Mm-hmm. Like people live underneath the guilt of sin, mm-hmm. um, and and I'm not saying that that everybody lives under it equally. I think there's suppression and there's searing, but no, there I have yet to meet a child that does not have some immediate like recoil at their own wickedness at times. Mm-hmm. Like those things are made, and so like big question mark why. Or when a materialist tries to answer the question, why is man both good and bad? Mm-hmm. They go to evolutionary theory and they're able to say, ah, well, predatory behavior or herd mentality. But they can't answer the question, why is man both good and bad? Mm-hmm. Man, man has goodness in him in the sense that he is able to do morally good acts that I'm not saying that they are not totally depraved and totally unable. I affirm that doctrine. But you have to ask the question, why is it that they care for their fellow man? Is it just herd mentality? Why is it that the evil man gives good gifts to his children? Mm-hmm. And so evolutionary biology can't lay this out, mm. but the but Genesis 1, 2, and 3 can. Mm-hmm. Genesis 1, 2, and 3 can tell me I'm creating the image of God, that I'm worthy of equal value, dignity, and respect. And then from there, it can communicate to me the very reason why I am a corrupted individual who struggles and wrestles with sin and, and is subdued by it. Mm. And it can also provide for me recourse and an answer and a hope for that. I don't think that an unbiblical worldview can answer the major questions that we have had posed to us 
in the last 10 to 15 years. Uh, secular worldviews can't answer racism. Mm-mm. It cannot do it. And every time I hear someone try to make an argument, a secular argument for why racism is bad, I think they sound like morons. Mm. It's like, hold on, hold on, hold on. So you're telling me, I'll say it this way. The most logically consistent human that I can think of that took evolutionary biology to its logical and most consistent end was Adolf Hitler. Super fair. That was his answer. He's right. The answer is there's a master race. Since there's a master race, we should purge all the other races and we should give essentially equal stuff. And Mm -hmm. so like, well, let's, everybody's like, no, I recoil at that. Why? Why would you recoil at that? It's it's perfectly logical. And not only that, why do you care if another person dies if it's evolutionary biology anyway? Right. You don't have answers to the question. They're just a lump of cells. They're just a lump of cells. Yeah. Mm. And so same thing with abortion. I, it's always weird to me when someone's arguing that you shouldn't kill a child in the womb when um, when they don't have an understanding of the image of God. When they when they believe that we're just we're just mere creatures. We're nothing. Nothing's different about us and a camel. Yeah, we talked about this this week too somewhere. Like the reason that we would say you must protect the life of a human being is because there's something distinct about them. Not only something distinct about them, but also God's intention of the womb to be a sanctuary. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. I mean, for real, bro. Yeah, no, I'm with It's you. like, what is God's intention for that environment? Yep. Not for you to enter in and shed blood. Yep. Calvin's, got a, Calvin's got a quote. I can't quote it directly, but he said, if it's perverse to kill a man in his home, how much more so to kill yep. a child in the mother's womb? Yep. Mm-hmm. And it's like, wow, that is... but but. And even then, the reason that killing a human being is so incredibly horrendous is because you you are in essence assaulting the image of God. Yeah, when baby's mom, when Bambi's mom's gets shot, I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like in the Disney movie, like these <laughs> it, are things yeah, that like yeah. strike our senses and go, yeah. no, no. And yeah. it's like, no, the same thing is true. Yeah, like the through a natural view of yeah. like the womb and the baby right. and something negative happening, murder happening yeah. there. Yeah, and so like I think when we think about when we think about worldview and you think about the big questions, like worldview, what worldview is, is the intention of answering the big questions of the world. Um, you know, who is God? Um, why do I matter? What is my end? Mm-hmm. Um, and so like you, you cannot answer these questions consistently um, aside from what the Bible actually conveys and what's interesting about it is there's not an inch of your life, and this is what's so important. There's I, not. There's it, not an inch of your life that it doesn't play a role in. Yeah, and I ended up like wrapping up our conversation before we went into our meeting. I was like, and in the end, bro, like I'm to be an example for you in the fact that you want to emulate me in my work life. And this mm, is kind of yeah, the relationship yeah. that we have. And I said, I want to work in such a way that I give glory to God mm-hmm. and I provide credibility yep. to who I am. And even then that they see your good works and praise the, praise yep. the Father who is in heaven. Yep. You know, because he's like, man, I mean, I, I want to, you know, I want to do this and do this and do this. Yeah. It's like things that I've, I, I'm able yeah. to do, yeah. you know, it's like, and in the end, like I, I work, I don't sit back and kick my heels up and go, oh, well, you know, I'll give a gospel proclamation outside of my daily work testimony. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. these things matter both to the Lord in which I labor unto and also that when that moment comes to use my words, you know what I'm saying? That yeah. I've not I've not negated my testimony through my behavior. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think a lot of times like we think about plotting, 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 
And you just, you're building up to, I like Tim Ferriss. You know Tim Ferriss? Like Tim Ferriss. He wrote the book, Four Hour Work Week. You love this. And uh-huh. he, he breaks it down. It's like, he's not saying she shouldn't, well, he probably is saying you shouldn't work 40 <laughs> hours, but he's distilling work and productivity down mm-hmm. to just the essence of productivity, saying like, in four hours, right, these are the critical moments in which you make 90% of your income or whatever, you know? Mm. So I think a lot of that, like, translates over, like, so much in the Christian life boils down to, like, these spirit-appointed yep. moments that just, like, the essence of, you know what I'm saying, yeah. of, like, productivity are found in these conversations. And yeah. then we think about these compartmentally. It's like, okay, well, I'm done with that, right? Yeah. But no, like, no. eyes are still watching. Like, yeah. eyes are still watching. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, who who are you? Yeah. And well, I, think, I think even then you're even more watched now on the other side of testimony. Um, you might as well just put your face on the podcast at this point. Um, <laughs> <Just go> video, <laughs> but which I still think we should do a video from behind your head. Um, <laughs> My viewpoint, but but I think when you're when you're coming to the the application of a biblical worldview is this. No matter where you are or what is happening in your life, the question is, what does the Bible say about that? Mm. And, and you know, like there is, like when we're speaking of the sufficiency of Scripture, we obviously don't, this is such a caricature. They're like, well, the Bible doesn't teach everything. Like we affirm that the Bible doesn't teach you how to do heart surgery. Like I get it. I'm with you. But <laughs> with that it, scope, it does though. It huh? teaches you everything. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It, it, it teaches you absolute reality. The reality is if you don't come to, someone's chest cavity with absolute truth of the heart is here and here's what it does. And you're thinking, Oh, that's a liver. We got problems. <laughs> right. So, um, but, but when we're thinking about the sufficiency of it, like it, it provides everything we need for life and godliness. It provides everything that we need to live in God's world. And so if you're asking questions about how you are to function and survive in God's world, God has provided the answer in his word. And so if I'm dealing with, if I'm dealing with, with, Racism. If I'm dealing with uh, uh, adultery or abortion or gender or work or uh, birthday parties, birthday parties, rest, <laughs> like uh, how how can I be saved? Obviously, being the paramount, but in all these things, like God has provided the answer, and the best thing that we can do is 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 affirm two things: this is God's word, this is God's world. Forgive me. And the, and the way that he has prescribed life in it, the way that he has relayed all that I need for life and godliness, he has given to me in his word. Mm. And if we take those two things to the bank, we'll be able to function inside of this world, not living in a state of, oh my goodness, a terrible thing happened. What am I going to do? Or living at, at, at high peaks because you're suppressing the actual realities around you or something of that nature. Instead, it provides for you a sober-minded view, not based on emotion or based on feelings, but based on revelation. This is why the way that we speak Firm about foundation. epistemology, right? You can never flip these things. Mm. The moment that you flip it and you make experience king, you take an axe to the Christian worldview. Yep. We deal, we don't deal in experience. We deal in truth. Truth leads to experience, but you can never invert them. The moment you invert mm-hmm. them, you've corrupted reality itself, at least n- not in substance, but from your eye. Mm-hmm. All right. So in conclusion, who wants a Bible verse? I've got one, actually. I mean, it's kind of, I think it makes sense here. Okay. This is John 20, 30. Um, 
Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in the book, but they are written. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in His name. Mm. So I'd like to thank my fellow elders Lawson Harlow and Blake McCullough for the time spent today, fellas. Take that for data, my <laughs> brothers and my friends. Godspeed. Uh, Bailey said I had a problem. He got on my head. Really? Yeah. Was it? Was it? Um, like did he this tell weekend? you this while he was wearing? Yeah, he's like, you know, like people say things, and like they don't really know they're saying it. Mom, mom, what's the new word that Dad says? Like, you know what it is. And I'm like, golly, dude. <laughs> you mean you mean you mean what y'all do to me? What is all it? the time? Something about. Oh, you know what I mean. He's like, bro, you don't even finish a clear thought and you're like cutting yourself off with you know what I mean. I know what I do that <laughs> because I know the people appreciate the other two smart individuals in this room. Not like, oh, not you're two, talking about not on, two the two podcast on the program. Yeah. Not two podcasts uh, ago, you didn't. Because Blake didn't say anything. <laughs> <laughs> no, speaking of Bailey, he he caught me in the hallway at with his a place shirt. on Saturday. And he was like, he and Janae were like, it's pretty bold of you to wear a, a cheetah print tie to our wedding. And I was like, what? What? Cheetah print? And a, so apparently the tie that I wore to their wedding in photos looks like cheetah print. Oh, really? Yeah, it's like paisley. It was not and it looks print. like, and I was like, guys, like you have to believe me. I was looking <laughs> in my closet, like what's the least attention grabbing tie that I own? <laughs> you got the holographic one. <laughs> And I put it on, and there she was like, that was just really a bold move. Like, I was sitting there looking at pictures being like, I can't believe he wore a cheetah print tie to our wedding. So, but he was like, oh, and then then you put me out there. You put me on blast. I go, what do you mean? <laughs> he was like, you're talking about prayer. Talking about how somebody in your family just got married. I <laughs> <laughs> like it could be anybody else. <laughs> and I go, Oh, but but you know what I mean, you know? And he's like, I go, I'm going to get you because you're dogging me out for saying you know what I mean over and over and over. And I guess I, you said I never make a full story or sentence. So it sounds like I have more to say on your story about so your So here honeymoon. we are. So here we are together on Products of Grace. So what happened? Okay. Uh, we haven't weaponized this podcast yeah, in a while. He said literally, Charles, you can decide what you want to do with this. <laughs> he said he's. <laughs> that can't make it but I'm glad I heard it I don't know why can't that make it <laughs> bro we were laughing so hard at the church in the hall at the wedding this I saw it I was watching I mean the whole place is like what is happening with these people I'm like y'all just don't know it cannot make it <sighs> Maybe protect the innocent. Maybe it can. We should just bleep names out. There's <laughs> <laughs> a wedding in my family. <laughs> <laughs> and then bleep Bailey. <laughs>